Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Hey, you're about to hear a rebroadcast of the Colin McEnroe Show. It was originally recorded on June 5th of 2019. Welcome. Welcome to an unusual episode of the show. I hope they're all kind of unusual, but we've been fascinated. My producer, uh, Jonathan McNichol, tells me we've been fascinated for three years with the idea of Soylent, which was uh, invented as kind of a food or meal replacement They've now backed away from that a tiny, tiny bit uh, and say that Soylent, which is a artificially generated powder uh, that can be turned into a liquid or into a bar or whatever, that Soylent can replace any meal but not every meal. Anyway, we will be eating Soylent, drinking Soylent uh, a little bit later on the show today. Uh, and when I say we, I mean uh, me and Chris Prosperi, the co-owner and chef of Metro Beast Restaurant uh, in West Simsbury, Connecticut. Uh, and it's a, he's in a beautiful new location right now and the porch is open and, and it's terrific there. Uh, and we're going to talk to some people who, who bring different perspectives to this question. But Chris, I thought the first thing that we should do, uh, or perhaps Jonathan thought the first thing that we should do, is because in order to embrace Soylent as a major part of your lifestyle, you have to sort of not care that much about food. Uh, uh-huh. you, have to be, you have to be not like you yeah. and not like me. And I, in college, I should say, had a friend named Fred. And Fred, this is the 70s. So there were, for example, not microwave ovens and therefore not Hot Pockets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is before Hot Pockets. <laughs> but Fred, Fred believed, and I think it's a little bit similar to our first uh, guest here today, Fred thought food was too much trouble. And he wanted, what he wanted was a kind of food where you got it and it sort of was presented to you in some kind of wrapper or something and then you would eat it on the wrapper without having to, to get a dish or anything like that. And then whatever was left, you'd crumple it up and you'd throw it in the trash and you'd be done. And you wouldn't have used a utensil. You wouldn't have dirtied a plate and you would have had your food. And I'm, I believe that this idea would be somewhat appealing uh, to Mariam Siddiqui, the lifestyle editor at The Globe and Mail, uh, where she published a piece with the subtitle, I Hate Food. <laughs> so she's with us now. You know, reading the piece, Miriam, I don't think you really hate food. You just, you just think it's too much trouble. That's true. Hi, Colin. And by the way, the situation you just described is like a dream for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. That's okay. <laughs> so, so say a little bit more about that. So uh, you, there was a picture with a piece of your refrigerator. It didn't have like a lot of big green leafy stalks of celery or things like that in it or big slabs of steak. What, what's in your refrigerator? Um, in, in the photo or what's well, in it today? I, I, either I mean, one. To be honest, it's not that different. Okay. <laughs> um, so on my top shelf, which is, so the story ran, and you're correct, it's, I don't hate food. I just don't really care about it. On the top shelf of my refrigerator for the past, I don't remember, almost like 15 years, there's a nice big bucket of whey isolate protein. There, I have... Um, this thing called greens that's like a, a, a mix, like a, almost like a vegetable booster that I just mix with water every morning. I have like, a few, I have like lemons and other fr- like fresh food. I do have leafy greens. They're just not on that shelf. And so um, as you go through your day, 
Well, maybe say just a little bit more about this. So it's not the case that you, you for example, would only want to drink Soylent, right? You have salads and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think like even, I mean, I love the convenience of the idea of that, but my body like craves whole foods, so I don't think I could do it for every meal. But I do sort of have a very easy to make shake every morning that has like these supplements and the, the fruit and veg that I put in it are frozen, so I don't even like chop them. <laughs> I'm always looking for the easiest way out. And then lunch and dinner is usually like salad with a protein. So I'm, I, eggs. Yeah. I'm dying to have you converse with Chris Prosperi, who is on the other <laughs> end of the spectrum Hi, uh, from you. Hi. Yeah, no, I'm fascinated by it. I mean, I do like the idea of these drinks and eating like this for one, maybe one meal or something to, to, to make it more easy for you. That kind of makes sense to me. I'm fascinated by the whole, like, everything in here is what you need to live almost, right? This could replace your breakfast quite easily, the one that's sitting in front of us. Um, but do you, ha- you must still have cravings, right? And, like, even thinking about food makes your mouth water, right? That's kind of wired into us. I mean, sometimes, like, not all the time, <laughs> but yes, I mean, I, I would say I have a sweet tooth, so yep. sometimes, yeah, I do need chocolate, or, like, if I'm going to, like, a ball game or something, like, I, I like, have that anticipatory craving of a hot dog, but I don't ever, like, I don't know that I'm ever sitting at home. I think that my big thing is I don't like cooking, mm. and so my, my interest in food that way is non-existent, so if, I, if I'm craving something, it might be nullified by the fact that I have to make it. Uh, we, we, by the way, right. we will we will link to this piece uh, on on the webpage for for this show. But um, Miriam, you had yourself tested in certain ways, and you talked to food and nutrition scientists and the kinds of people who study our neurological relationship to food. I mean, did you learn anything about yourself through that process? Well, the one thing because I I don't actually ever remember having strong feelings as a kid or teen or young adult either way about like loving food or not loving food. But I think, like, I kind of have done this to myself gradually through changing eating habits and, um, like, what I eat and when I eat. Because I was, you know, it was for, like, health reasons. I was, went through a naturopath, was on a very structured regimen of, like, eating every four hours. And a scientist explained to me that I basically don't let my body produce enough of a hormone to scream, like, you're hungry, you need to eat. Why don't you eat, like, whatever, um, like, and, and develop really strong cravings for things. So I, but I've, since this article has been published, people come, like, still send me notes saying, like, thank you so much for writing about this. I've always felt this way. So I think it's it's not just, a, like, a, a condition that you can give to yourself. I think some people just are not into food. Right. So these other people were saying, I'm not alone. Uh, yeah. There's someone else like me. Maybe there's a lot of people like me. So, Chris, I know that one of your questions that's triggered by Miriam's article is, what is food? Yeah, what is food? Is it pleasure? Is it sustenance? Why do we eat, I guess, is the question. Do we eat for pleasure? Is eating more than just eating? Is it about sitting at a table with your friends, your family, your loved ones? Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting. Like, there's a whole thing. Is it, like, is it pleasure? Is it fuel? I think... Okay. It's both, obviously. And, you know, like, at the end of the day, we to live, you need to eat. I, it's funny because I, I love the rituals around eating. I like, like, going out for dinner, going to a restaurant with friends, having people over. But I, if, I don't really care what's in front of me. 
<laughs> well, I, I don't know. When, when I walked in the studio today, when I walked in the studio today, Chris said, "Do you eat tripe?" Uh, and I thought I thought about it for a while. I was pretty sure I'd never eaten tripe. I'm, I would imagine you have some things that you would really prefer not to have in front of you. Yeah, I don't know that I would eat tripe, <laughs> but I've tried a lot of weird things. So there, but there is a stigma, right, uh, about this attitude that there are people who and, – and I'm sort of one of them. If I'm – like I, you might have overheard me saying I'm going to be up in Montreal in about a week and I'm already thinking about which restaurants I mm-hmm. want to go to and what I want to eat. And when I get up every morning in Montreal, I'll know where I'm probably going to want to go for lunch and where I'm going to want to go for dinner. And I, I, I think people kind of accept that as not a particularly crazy way to be. But one of the things that your article explores is who's crazy, the person who's obsessing about this the way I am or the person like you or one of the other people featured in the article who just you know, keeps this as simple as possible so you can do other things. Mm-hmm. Oh, people look at me like I'm a Martian when I tell them <laughs> that this is how I feel. I, I think like right now as a society, we celebrate food and it's like a, a pursuit or a pastime. It's like, you know, it's a hobby. So for people to be excited about it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And people like me are sort of the odd ones out that just sort of like it's it's utility. Two sides, right? The, the two extremes, right? You have her mm-hmm. on that one side, but on the other side, you have people that are even crazier, I would say, than Colin's planning his vacation. But they actually plan when they're going on a certain trip, like when they're going to land, because certain restaurants they already have planned for lunch that day. So they have to take an earlier flight so they can make lunch because the last reservation's at 2. So I got to get on the 4 a.m. flight to make it to L.A. to get my chicken and waffles at Roscoe's before, mm-hmm. the, because I only have that morning for it. I mean, which one is crazier, right? The one on this end or the one on that end? Well, there's a guy who's at the end of your article who's similar to you and, and kind of has got this down to a science, so to mm-hmm. speak, what he's going to eat, when he's going to eat it, and it's all as simple as it can possibly be and not a, a source of, of pleasure. And he says in your article, right, oh, no, you guys are the crazy ones. Yeah, I think he's a bit more dramatic about it than I am. Like, he says, like, I eat not to be dead. Right. Um, but, yeah, that's the thing. Like, if I'll go, I have a lot of, quote-unquote, foodie friends, and when we go out, just the whole, like, they gotta take a picture of the meal, and I'm like, come and just eat, guys. Like, but for them, it's an occasion. It's, like, something that they want to show off and tell their friends about. For me, it's just food. I mean, I'm always interested in what the last acceptable prejudices are. For example, we did a whole show about people with red hair because for some reason or other, it's okay to have sort of strange attitudes towards people with red hair and call Mm -hmm. them gingers and all this kind of stuff. And I think this might be another one of the last acceptable prejudices. I mean, it's okay to – people think it's okay to say to you, you're strange because you don't want (laughs) certain kinds of food, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? People laugh. (laughs) That is not an uncommon reaction. Right. And, And how do you feel about that? I mean, I kind of think they're the crazy ones, so yeah. I just shrug my shoulders and <laughs> change the topic. I mean, are you ever jealous, envious uh, of the people who seem to extract so much delight from food? No, I'm more, like, curious about it. Like, yeah. I can't actually imagine someone being so excited about it. <laughs> Sorry, and, Chris. <laughs> and are those people ever envious of you? It's like, oh, wow, her life is a lot more simple than mine is because I have to have a certain kind of pizza at a certain kind of moment and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, well, my the only person who's ever expressed it to me is actually the editor of the piece, uh, that story that I worked on, mm-hmm. who 
said to me after just like so much of her time is spent thinking about what she's going to like make her family for dinner. And because I do like often eat the same thing all the time, I don't have to think about it at all. Like it's, it doesn't occupy any space in my brain. And she sort of said it to me in a, I don't know if jealousy is the right word, but she was just, yeah, she was kind of jealous that I don't have to deal with that. I like the control you must have, though, as far as like calorie intake, because I've been watching what I've been eating, and it's really hard when you look at calories and stuff. Eating this way has got to be so much easier, especially with these protein shakes and stuff. It's pretty much defined right there. I'm going to drink this much of it. I'm going to get this much of it, and that's it for this meal period. And you can plan your day and your calories so much easier than eating the way I eat. Totally. Do you know the website or the app MyFitnessPal that where mm-hmm. it's like a calorie yeah, tracker? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Like I can I can like pl- program it in days in advance because I know what I'm going to eat. Much easier. Chris, there is a cultural <laughs> aspect to this, right? I mean, depending on what country you're in, you know, I'm, uh, there are countries where Miriam's attitude wouldn't be quite as far out of step as it would be in other places. Yeah, my, I have my parents are perfect examples, right? My mom is Austrian and my dad is is French from Paris. So one, they always say lives to eat, and the other one eats to live, mm-hmm. right? And that's the mm-hmm. perfect example of that, right? People who take food as you know, you have to sit down and eat for two hours, and that's the meal. You have to stop everything, and that's the French side. Where in Austria, it's more you eat, it's it's eat to get fuel, so you can go right back to work and finish your day. And did you, after you after this article ran? I mean, I don't know how much you shared, Miriam. Uh, prior to that, your attitudes that might be the kind of thing that would just sort of maybe make its way into a conversation at an appropriate moment. But did you become kind of a little bit famous for or get kind of a reputation as a result of writing about this? Yeah, um, it's mostly because of the headline, which yeah. is. Uh, like most people, like you hate food. So, like I, I was saying, or I, I guess a few friends had mentioned recently, like they don't really um, think to invite me out for dinner or whatever because I oh. quote, I hate, I hate, I know it's really affected my <laughs> social life. <laughs> Not really, but um, it's weird. It's it's had this like long life. The story came out maybe four years ago, and and as I said, I still get notes about it. So it kind of made a splash when it came out, and people were, were like, "You're a weirdo." But then slowly, other people who are like me have sort of found the story and wanted to talk about it. Well, let's ask uh, quickly about the S word here. Uh, So has Soylent entered your life? You can't get it in Canada, right? I don't think it's available in Canada. Yeah, I haven't tried it. Would you try? Is it something, is the notion attractive to you? I mean, I guess it's just like the same as mixing like a protein powder in water or something, right? Right. So to me, it would just depend on the taste. I probably would try it, but the name, too, is a bit freaky. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I would say. (laughs) Right. Well, the the people who invented it, we'll be getting into this in the next segment, the people who invented it, they knew what they were doing when they picked this name, but they they still, uh, and their parents tried to talk them out of it, and their investors tried to talk them out of it, but they, you know, there is a way in which it's also pretty memorable, too. You don't forget the name of this product. For sure, Yeah. All right. So, uh, first of all, thank you so much. I guess your fame continues. Uh, you'll you never outlive this one article. I know what that's like. Uh, Mariam <laughs> Siddiqui, <laughs> lifestyle editor at The Globe and Mail, uh, where she published a piece about her attitudes towards food. Thanks for doing this with us today. Thank you for having me. All right. So we're slowly building to the moment where Chris and I and Carmen Baskoff, a producer of Where We Live, and we'll explain why we picked Carmen um, when the time comes. <laughs> We're building towards this moment where we will actually consume 
Soylent. Uh, and we've got it here, and we've got shakers to shake it up, and we've got the pre-mixed kind. And, and we are actually also going to eat some people, too, just to kind of do a little taste test, kind of uh, balance the two things out, see, you know, which one tastes better. Um, but uh, right now, we're going to take a little break. <laughs> and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the history of this company, which has made such a name for itself with this particular kind of product. You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Colin McEnroe Show. It was originally recorded on June 5th of 2019. And we're back. And let's uh, begin this segment with a clip from the movie that began the whole thing. Let's hear a B1 there, Wolfie. This conversation with Governor Henry C. Santini is brought to you by Soylent Red and Soylent Yellow, high-energy vegetable concentrates, and new delicious Soylent Green. The miracle food of high-energy plankton gathered from the oceans of the world. Because of its enormous popularity, Soylent Green is in short supply. Remember, Tuesday is Soylent Green Day. And now, Governor Santini. Who wouldn't trust Governor Santini? All right, so uh, there is no such thing as Soylent Green, we're pretty sure anyway, but there is such a thing as Soylent. And now joining us is one of the journalists who is a bona fide expert, if there can be such a thing in Soylent, Christina Troitino, a Forbes contributor who covers business and the future of food and agriculture. Uh, She's joining us by Skype, uh, and she's uh, done quite a bit of coverage of the early days of Soylent. So welcome to our show. Hi there. So happy to be here and talking about Soylent. And it's not every day you get called a Soylent expert, but if there has to be one, I'll gladly take that honor. Right. And now that I just uh, got uh, off the conversation with Miriam uh, Siddiqui from the Globe and Mail in Toronto, I'm realizing, I'm Chris, I'm heading up to Canada next week. I should be smuggling Soylent across <laughs> the border uh, to the people up in Canada who can't get it. And it would all be very Handmaid's Tale, I think. Um, so, um, so, Christina, maybe first of all, just give us a quick sketch of, of the history of Soylent. How long has this product been around? Yeah, so Soylent's had pretty interesting journey and lots of pivots, so I'm happy to touch on any points that might be most pertinent here. But effectively, the company started from a couple of young guys out here in the Bay Area who raised some money through Y Combinator. Um, their original couple of ideas failed, <laughs> as many times they do out here in Silicon Valley. And eventually they landed on this big problem of just food and food availability and basically how food can be kind of a bottleneck in productivity. And out in the Bay Area around 2013, 2014, uh, this term life hacking kind of started bubbling to the surface. So basically, it was the right concept at the right time. Um, And at the time, the team was led by Rob Reinhart. um, And he was really obsessed with kind of thinking about ways to increase caloric uh, availability. Um, And of course, food is one of the most cultural, personal things in someone's life. And so to even say that you want to replace it outright in this emotional, cultural, ingrained aspect of our existence is one of the most disruptive things you could think of. Um, and so that's kind of at the highest level, the basic origin story. Of course, the leadership changed last year. There's a new CEO, Brian Crowley, lots of products that have come and go, lots of product recalls, lots of branding pivots that have happened since then. Um, but Soylent's definitely had a very fascinating journey to date. 
Well, you're in San Francisco now. The initial buzz of this uh, idea, although the the makers of it actually moved out of San Francisco because it was too expensive to operate there, but I think it was initially perceived as a product that would be ideal for tech people who are pressed for time trying to accomplish as much as they possibly can, as you said, life hacking. How could life be simpler, more easy? How could I get to do the things that I think are important or very pleasurable uh, and eliminate anything that wastes any time? Did, did it really ever catch on that way? I mean, is it something that you're likely to see if you go somewhere in Silicon Valley? Unfortunately, and I say this from the double lens of also someone who is an active chef and loves to cook, just (laughs) cooked a 10-person meal last night. Um, Unfortunately, I will say it still has a really great foothold with more of the, for lack of a better word, programmer community. So the types of guys who are proud to come out to the Bay Area and have 10 people living in a tiny apartment in Soma. But I will say... Of course, the brands made some really smart pivots because obviously that's a niche community and you can't scale a company and become increasingly profitable by just having this really tiny population as your target. So, of course, Soylent's now been in 7-Eleven. Um, it's one of the top sold uh, beverage items on Amazon um, and it's more controversially also in Walmart now. So it's interesting. Um, I had my mother who lives in suburban upstate New York call me the other day and tell me that she bought a Soylent. So I think that's a pretty startling contrast to, I think, the image that still has a lot of stickiness around the brand. When, when you say that she said she bought a Soylent, it's kind of like I bought a, a beer. There was probably one of the pre-mixed things. Yeah, so I think she probably brought one of the pre-mixed items, uh, one of the pre-mixed bottles uh, from a Walmart or something. But I was really flabbergasted and I was like, wow, this is a brand that is really trying to change its image. If my mother, who has no idea what Soylent even is, just picked it up thinking it was just some sort of meal replacement drink along the lines of an insurer. What's what's the current verdict on the name? Like I, I know that initially, you know, they 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 picked the name. It was obviously going to be an attention-getting name. That there were people trying to talk them out of using that particular name. Is there a sense, one way or another, about whether that was a smart thing to do? Yeah, I think that's a good question, and one I think a lot about because. Understandably, Soylent wants to be very protective of its image and its branding. So you have to also question um, how much they're defending the name retroactively just because there's so much awareness around the name, for better or worse. Um, So, of course, it's a reference, like you guys played the clip before, to the science fiction movie. Um, And I think there's a few reasons why they picked the name and then eventually stuck with it. But um, namely, I think they just wanted some flashy, cheap, free marketing. Um, If I could take any other guess, I mean, these are a bunch of guys who were, again, trying to suggest that we should just stop eating food outright and drink it and replace it. Um, And and that still remains a really controversial concept. Um, I think it's somewhat backwards rationalized these days um, because the company is very proud of its use of soy which in the food world is still a bit controversial. There's a little bit of mixed sentiment around its use. Um, but I think be keeping the name Soylent beyond that kind of retains kind of this disruptive initial image of saying, like, we have these beliefs that we believe are better for the food system, i.e. the use of Soylent among other beliefs of the company. But we're going to stick with it, and we hope you guys will be along for the ride. So I think that's still pretty interesting. Although, yeah, I often question the use of the name. 
So, Christina, I have a, another person named Chris here with me. Uh, he's a, a chef. Uh, and so I have to ask you, Chris Prosperi, if I weren't making you do this for this particular radio show, is there a circumstance you can imagine in which you would consume one of these Soylent products? Mm, <laughs> no. No? No, I just – it's funny because I'm looking at the jug that the powdered come in. Right. And it goes against all food marketing that I've been taught and that I see in markets. I mean I know they changed a little bit in the ones for Walmart. But this one says powdered food, complete v- meal, formula version 1.9. <laughs> and uh, it, it doesn't evoke like, gosh, I'm hungry. What do I want to eat? Although, Christina, that – I mean, yes, but, like we've also got the pre-mixed bottles yeah. in a cooler here and they're a little bit more colorful to look at. But some of this was – I mean if you go back to Rob Reinhardt, the original originator of this, it kind of started, as you said, he was basically broke and needed to be able to feed himself for $50 a month instead of $600 a month or something. Uh, and this – it was – he just ordered a bunch of stuff that he figured out was essential to human life and mixed it all up together. But since then, various philosophies have – emerged. And Christina, you said that they've rebranded a few times. So how would you describe the ethos or brain feel of their brand right now as opposed to what it used to be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the company is just really trying to recover from its early image, this really sticky sentiment that this is a product that is anti-food and we want to get rid of the emotional satisfaction and cultural ties of cuisine, which is, I think, still a concern and a rightful one people should have. Um, But now they're trying to use it more as a play that it's helping food ecosystems. Their product and its low price and its dense nutrition is something that can increase caloric availability um, for low-income populations. So they've done a lot of work around food security, um, and they have a new initiative called Soylent for Good, where they've donated 1.6 million meals so far. They work with the World Food Program. Um, They have some beliefs that are a little bit more controversial um, in the food world, although some that I personally find really satisfying, I agree with. Um, For instance, their use of soy, um, it's uh, the plant protein with the highest bioavailability. So that's the nutrients that can actually be absorbed by your body. And they also are pro-GMO. And that's as a means of they believe that we should use GMOs as a way to increase the productivity productivity of uh, existing arable farmland um, versus using more actual land mass. Um, So those are just some of the ideas that they're throwing out there now. Um, But they've definitely had to pivot understandably from this kind of um, dorky programmer image um, to try to see if there's a way to make the brand a little bit more appealing and a little bit more normative. Although Chris Prosperi, uh, Chris Prosperi, this giant jug of it that we have, or it's not a jug, it's a canister uh, that I, I assume we got it from Walmart. It does look like a dorky programmer <laughs> thing. It essentially looks like what you'd have, you'd find like a DVD or, or like a your computer disc in or something, right? Yeah. No, and you know what? But in her argument, I kind of agree with that now. So you so I've pivoted from not liking it to now I kind of understand it using that kind of marketing, right? If this is to help that kind of thing, like getting food to people who need it, this jug is is 18 meals. For $34. We got it from Amazon, I'm being told. So that's, I mean, that's pretty amazing, right? That you can get 18 meals for $34. When I was writing for The Current, we tried to do $5 meals, and that was really difficult. Yeah. And and so, yeah, a lot of this is that. And uh, I know initially, Christina Rob Reinhardt had a lot of attitudes, too, about just, you know, how... 
difficult the the life of farm workers uh, under the current system is that you know an awful lot of this food that we find really delicious is worked on in fairly unpleasant and unendurable ways yeah absolutely i mean i think one stat that really rings true is we all know at some level that meat's really tough on the environment um but to really drill down on the second order effects of when we eat meat um, is that a pound of soy needs 200 gallons of water to be produced. But uh, that compares to almost 1,800 gallons of water needed to produce one pound of beef. So already by incorporating a little bit more soy into your diet, that's a huge shift in, in just resources used on the planet. Um, and that's just like one of many stats. And I think, um, of course, people don't want to give up things like meat. The average American has over 200 pounds of meat a year, which is crazy. Um, so I think being able to have some more options, some more availability of things so people can make some sort of substitutes. Um, so instead of reaching out for a Big Mac when they're having these kind of in-between food occasions, they instead reach out for a Soylent. That sounds like something that could actually be viably better for the world. Well, I've got Satan over here who's uh, put a piece of steak in front of me already that he wants me to eat before we have the Soylent. But, but what, what else were you going to no, say, Lucifer? I, uh, no, I was thinking that, no, this, I mean, with resources going down, population going up, that, uh, and this is what I was thinking last night, too, this might be our future, right? I mean, if we have to f- keep continuously feeding everybody with a limited amount of resources, a limited amount of places to grow food, that this might be what our future may look like. Maybe food is something for special occasions, and on a daily, da- da- on a daily basis, this becomes our meals. Ooh, that, that could be almost a commercial, Christina, right? I mean, we're pretty close to the ethos of the product. It's pretty crazy. And I, I say this as when I first started covering Soylent, it was more from the perspective of, oh, my gosh, how did this crazy company get $50 million in funding? So I went out and I talked to their lead investor at Google Ventures, Andy Wheeler, and he basically broke it down to me. And he was like, I know it sounds crazy, but if you actually look at the stats that they're producing and their relative impact on the environment, it kind of makes sense in a crazy way. Oh, yeah. And I mean, look, there's a lot of ways in which our, our current system is longitudinally, or at least long term, not really that sustainable. And stuff like avocados, between the amount of water they use, the problem of climate change and tariffs, you know, avocados, the basic food group of millennials, supposedly, is going to be, it's it's going to turn out to be a blip in human history, right? There's certain things we probably won't be able, Christina, to keep having. Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, not, it's interesting because not even everything, like to your point, that is plant-based is necessarily great for the environment or for us. And I think the obvious example is almond milk. We think because it's not regular milk, it's better, but actually uses a lot of resources. So there's no perfect solutions. Everything has a second order effect. And it's interesting to see how those choices are going to be changing. Well, in just a few minutes, we're going to be uh, drinking our first Soylent, uh, Christina. And first of all, is there anything you want to say to us to prepare us for that experience? (laughs) (laughs) Anything, any way in which we should be readying ourselves? Well, as a periodic Soylent drinker, all I can tell you is it's not going to taste as good as a great meal prepared by a chef, but it is something to snack on. So all I can say is good luck to you. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Ironically, I had a Soylent bridge. Ah. (laughs) Tell people what a Soylent bridge is one of the many uh, permutations. What is Soylent bridge? 
Yes, yeah, so Soylent Bridge is one of the newer Soylent products, so it's what they're marketing as an in-between meal. So it's basically just half the size of a normal Soylent. It's about 180 calories, and sometimes when I'm just rushing in the morning, I'll just grab one. Um, this one happened to be chocolate and tasted pretty okay. Um, very quickly, because you did allude to it. I mean, in the early stages, they did have some problems with recall, right? Stuff that had dairy in it when it was not supposed to have dairy and some kind of flour that didn't work out so well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They've had a number of recalls, and I think um, that was another reason why I had a big interest in covering them to begin with, because it was this product that people loved so much that they there were these people on these message boards and Reddit in particular who would have it get sick but still come back and buy like a cases of 12 online. And so I was like, what is it about this product that can make you feel sick but people still love so much? Um, so um, they were pretty explicit on their company blog about recall. So if you ever want to go down the rabbit hole of any of that and that supply chain, it's definitely out there to check out. Maybe people on Reddit just enjoy feeling kind of sick anyway because like, it gets them in the right mood to be horrible on, on Reddit. Uh, Christina Troitino, a Forbes contributor who, contributor who covers the business and future of food and agriculture, has joined us uh, for this part of our show today. We'll post some of her reporting on uh, the delicious Soylent products that we're about to consume uh, on the webpage that goes with the show. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Carmen Baskoff, producer for Where We Live. They're making our food out of people. Next thing, they'll be breeding us like cattle for food. You gotta tell them. You gotta tell them. Promise, Tiger. I promise. I'll tell the exchange. You tell everybody. Listen to me, Hatcher. You gotta tell them. Silent breed is people. We gotta stop them somehow. You're listening to a rebroadcast of The Colin McEnroe Show. It was originally recorded on June 5th of 2019. They say Soylent isn't people, and I say, what about Jerry Soylent? He was in my high school class, and one weekend we ground him up and made him into Congo bars. It took a lot of chocolate chips to offset the taste. There was something else about Jerry I was trying to remember. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Oh, that's actually Jerry. How did he get there? Today's show was produced by Jonathan McSoyland and me, Kyone Wolf. The part of Bill Curry was played by Charlton Heston. And now back to... I remember the other thing about Jerry Soyland. We were never supposed to talk about eating him. Uh-oh. And now back to Colin. All right, so we are back. So let me set the scene for you. Now in the studio, Chris Prosperi is still here. He probably will be banned from the food schmooze <laughs> for being on a show about Soylent, about sort of anti-food food. So this, you know, you'll, you won't be able to hear him there anymore. The Mejiasaurus, uh, Carlos Mejia, is in here uh, photographing things and taking video. I don't know what you're doing there, actually, but it's your own business. And then joining us now is Carmen Baskoff. Now, what we were talking about at one of the meetings is we should have somebody in the studio who's maybe not, you know, Miriam Siddiqui, like that indifferent to food, but like who's not – who doesn't care that much about food. And someone said, oh, Carmen. So <laughs> that might not be a fair description of your attitude towards food. So what is what is your attitude? Yeah, I think – I mean I think I probably like food more than Miriam does. Mm. I just – 
But I, I empathize with her feeling of just like not caring about it too much. If I go out to a nice restaurant, I get, you know, a nice meal. I really do enjoy that. I, I get pleasure from that. But I'm also like happy to sit at my desk and eat a frozen burrito every day for a month. <laughs> um, and I do that. I, I drive to Stop and Shop about once a month. I buy a bunch of frozen burritos and then I bring them into the work freezer and I leave them there and then I eat them until I run out. Yesterday you were uh, about to eat some kind of fairly unappetizing looking Panera soup. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it provided uh, sustenance. Like a cheese soup or something? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was broccoli and cheese soup. It was, was, was it brown? It was yellow. Yellow. It was yeah. yellow. Yeah. <laughs> We should also say I don't that, mind brown or yellow food. We should also say that more than most people here, Carmen is in almost constant motion. Like even yeah. now, she's having trouble sitting at the a mic without twirling in her chair. <laughs> she's like moving all the time, and she's got a scooter. She zooms down to the train on, and she's like a water bug on crack most of the time. So I they, do spend a lot of time walking around the newsroom looking for food, and I'll eat almost any. Like if I encounter food, yeah. I'll eat cookies. Mm. John just brought a bowl of uh, raw broccoli. Been eating that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty, yeah, open to anything. Well, it's, now it's time to find out whether Soylent is going to be in your life or my life. or It's not going to be in Chris's life, but he's going to drink it. So we're going to start with the, you're shaking up I'm the shaking powder. Up. Yeah, I'm but shaking we have the yeah. premix. What do you, should we start with the premix? Yes, that's the strawberry That's one. the strawberry? Yeah. All right. Let's yeah. drink some yeah. strawberry. All right. The shaking of it is more fun than I think the drinking is going to be. It's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like those shake weight commercials. <laughs> right, now so, we're going to um, some ice. This, there's some childhood taste that this recalls to me. I don't know what it is, but it's something that as a kid that I ate. Strawberry it, quick. Yeah, it reminds me of those, those powders <laughs> yeah. you put in milk yeah. mm-hmm. to make. Yeah. There was like a bunny on it, I think. Strawberry quick. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was bunnies, but they made it out of bunnies. Just the same way Soylent Green is people. Uh, <laughs> just so you know, I'm, I'm taking bunnies. the littlest sips I possibly can. I got to get a gulp. Well, you're I'm, on just, t- I'm just getting the teeniest little like it's toxic or something, no, but I'm it's th- not. I it's it's no. actually – it tastes like strawberry quick. It tastes a lot like strawberry quick. Mm. Yeah. I have no problems with this. Right. No, it's fine. <laughs> I mean you wouldn't yeah. want to drink a lot of it. But you, like but it's to already get, beginning to wear out its yeah, welcome to get, with me. To get the meal, you have to drink the whole 400 calories, which is – the whole bottle. Yeah, and this one is 14 ounces. Yeah. So that's a big couple gulps. Right. So, so the last little bit of it would be hard going, I think, just to get it all in there. Um, all right. So that was that. All right, Should we, we switch to the – Yeah, this is the here? chocolate one now. Okay, here we go. This will be like Ovaltine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, Jonathan is telling, telling, telling you the sound is so food schmooze uh, in, in here. Oh, Except that it's them. not food schmooze. No, it's, you know, it's, I mean, uh, if they, if well, they only one. knew. Hmm. I like this less than chocolate milk, I think. Yeah, and oh, I, yeah, I like no, it less is, than the strawberry, yeah, which is Yeah, the weird. strawberry, <laughs> that How, was the, not what I was expecting. The chocolate's yeah. supposed to be the best. Yeah, it's not. I'm trying to think what it what it recalls. Um, so as he's he's pouring out the stuff that he – so the, I mean the scariest looking thing yeah. is this big canister with the kind of, yeah. you know, pretty much, you know – an identi- call it what it is. What is what it's, it say? Uh, it's formula version 1.9. <laughs> Where they were only using just a little bit of people. I'm just uh, sort of confused what happened to uh, versions 1.0 to 1.8. Right. How many? 1. 8. 8. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so what about the chocolate one? No? Well, yes? Well, this is technically called cacao. I cacao. Think. So cacao. it's not as sweet, right? It's yeah. just the nibs. It, eh. it doesn't taste good. No. Mm-mm. 
it, it reminds me a little bit of you know when health food stores were kind of new and they were always giving you carob things, a carob yeah. thing, and they yep. go, "It's just like it's like chocolate," yeah. and you bite into no. it, and you go, "No, it's not. no, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Chocolate's really good." Well, I think that the fact <laughs> that chocolate can be so good like really raised my expectations in a way where I I had very low expectations for the strawberry one. Yeah. Um. So I I think. There was probably no way this ever was going to meet my expectations mm. for chocolate. Um, but, yeah, not not great. All right. So uh, can I ask for calls? Is there anybody in there to screen calls? Because, I mean, it might be interesting to hear from people either whether they think we're crazy even to be trying this or whether they actually have already incorporated it into their lives. I will say that when we first thought about doing this three years ago, I think there was kind of a question about, like, where would we get it? How were we going to get it? And I think maybe whenever it was, there was a – we might have had to only order it from the company. Maybe you couldn't get it. And I can't. I can't remember. But anyway, now you can get it from Amazon, and you can get it from Walmart. Um, so banned in Canada, though. Banned in Canada. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be like a pusher up there. On, <laughs> on, but in, there in, are other ones, right? This isn't the only meal replacement shake there is. I mean, no, Insure true. comes to mind, right? That's the right. one that's been around the longest one, right? That's right. kind of build. That's as sort a of for meal. people who have kind of a calorie deficit, though, right? Isn't yeah, that, yeah, it's high calorie. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that this is – I don't know. I mean I, it's Soylent. That's why we're trying it <laughs> because they were really smart to call it Soylent. Yeah, but don't, we, but we, don't we you think those it. tech guys were doing things like Insure before so, – I mean that, that kind of culture of sitting at your desk, not getting up and having to eat and having everything right there. That's been around before no, Soylent. Tech, tech guys don't eat drink stuff that their grandmothers <laughs> have to drink in nursing homes. They drink this, this stuff with a cool name. Okay. But I think somewhere in Christina's reporting are descriptions of tech places where basically they've got the Soylent right there at their desks and the only time they have to get up is to go to the bathroom when they've had too much Soylent. <laughs> But um, but but it, you know, that's it a really whole has, other show. Yeah, that's right. It has really caught on there. Well, so, it's in the minimalist packaging with the like white right. thing, fancy font. All right, that's the plain one. And oh, okay. oh my god. Okay, I just uh, have my second sip of the chocolate. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, now, how do you? How is that going to replace what I brought? Right. Take a big gulp of that one, Colin. Oh boy. Whoa. Huh. Whoa. That's got no sugar. So I guess the and this is what we gotta remember. We like the strawberry one, yeah. right? Right off the bat better than the rest because it's the one with the most sugar. Yeah. Right? That <laughs> yeah. was obvious. Yeah. And this sure. one doesn't taste like it has any sweet in no. it whatsoever. You know what this tastes like? This tastes like you remember, I, they probably didn't do this in Chalk. Carmen's school. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I was thinking you, when you go out to clap the erasers, yes, that used to be a thing your teacher. Yes. It was actually kind of a good gig. I, I was it, the one who had to do that. Yeah, no, I know. And I then you go. Good gig. Yeah, but if you drank that, um, you go out and clap the erasers, and you stand in this big cloud of what was probably toxic dust, and you breathed you, it yeah, in, and you breathed it in, and yeah. stuff like that. And that's but, the flavor. But it had a little sort of taste to <laughs> yeah. it. So, Chalk uh, dust. Um, <laughs> I think it probably tastes better than dry erase marker dust, right. does, uh, which yeah. was my was my generation. Yeah. Right, exactly, that's the problem. So um, this does have some no. ice in it because they told us to put ice they, in they, it. Yeah, they right. said to shake it first and then to serve it over ice because it's probably not as good warm. Oh, it's nasty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a I mean, so, we've, we've kind of gone in descending order of yeah. tastiness, right? Yeah. I mean, the strawberry one was okay. Like I could imagine – I should be asking you, could you imagine on a day where your burrito supply had run yeah. out or or you suddenly got the idea that your the burritos were not fully meeting all of your dietary requirements and your nutritional needs? Could you imagine like drinking down some strawberry soylent? I, c- I could definitely imagine myself drinking some strawberry soylent. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think I would want to do that in as a replacement to all um, physical food mm-hmm. um, on a regular basis. But I definitely would. If I ran out of burritos, I would absolutely drink a glass of the strawberry stuff. I might even drink some of the chocolate stuff if I was really hungry. Um, I don't know if I would ever go for this. This, is, this, is, <laughs> this is nasty. But, um, yeah, and so Wolfie's nice. asking if you can add flavoring to the chalky one, but I feel like the, now you're going down a, a slippery slope. Oh, now he's giving us steak just to show us the folly of our ways here. But uh, before I even try to Let me just look for Kyan's question, though, if there's any, like, add, Can you add citrus stuff? or – I don't think it said anything. I looked through it pretty – Thoroughly before, no, it doesn't. Just well, it's not store. like you can't add no, it. No, can't. But it's supposed it to be complete. So why are you? Yeah, adding it stuff? doesn't say it. Store unfinished, mix soylent in fridge, consume within two days. All right, that's all. I've got uh, Joyce from Coventry on the line. One of the early, one of the pioneers uh, of soylent culture. Hi, Joyce. Hi. Yes, I was. Um, and I, of course, I saw it online, and I remembered the movie, and I thought, well, this has to be interesting. So I just went for it. I think I just uh, Googled Soylent.com, and it came in a kind of a two-gallon uh, jug. And I, as I recall, I'm not fond of uh, chocolate, so I tried the vanilla, but I think I should have some extra uh, vanilla protein or vanilla extract and ice cubes. And when you drink it like that, it was okay. I mean, it just doesn't take the, taste the place. It does not take the place of food. I mean, there's just no texture to it. It just goes down, and I didn't know they had cookies and other kinds of stuff now. Um, but it was okay. I wouldn't say it was great, but I think I still have some left. So the, the one order that you put in three years ago is still sitting partially yeah. consumed somewhere in your house. I, yeah, I think I still have some left, but I have whey protein powders left and all that stuff. I experiment with lots of things like that because I want to keep my weight down and that kind of thing and, and, and have good ingredients. But it was, I remember, I think I liked the chocolate and I wasn't more I didn't like chocolate anyway, but, but you're right, it really doesn't taste a lot like chocolate. It's more carrot. All right, I'm being told uh, by Mr. Consumer Protection, my producer, that you're supposed to use the soylent within 30 days after it's been opened. So I would throw away your unused... Uh, so dispose of it responsibly. Give it. To, you live in Coventry. Give it to a bear. The next time you see a bear come by, say, "Hey, stop getting in my garbage can. Here's some soylent. Has everything you need to be a bear." Yes. Um, but don't well, you? Yes, that's all but no, I don't. I probably better get it to the dogs either. All right. But, uh, it, it was a wonderful idea, and I think the idea is great. Uh, but again, somebody mentioned insure and some of the protein things that you can buy so people who don't feel like eating. So I don't know that it's going to be anything better than that. Um, maybe they'll improve it. I don't know. But uh, I might try it yet. All right. Well, get some new soil. And you can even try the pre-mixed stuff, which I feel might be a little bit more expensive. Did you have something you wanted to say because you were yeah, bobbing vanilla, around over the there? The vanilla is actually – I just poured it. Taste a little bit. You have the oh, this bottle. this is the vanilla that, that the you vani- Yeah, just pour some oh. in your glass. It's okay. actually – the vanilla is actually the best one. Okay. And, and the other thing I just looked, they have all the same amount of sugar, 9 grams. Even the, really? the cacao one has 9 grams, which is weird because it tasted like it didn't yeah. have any whatsoever. Wait a minute. This has part of a finger in it. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's, you know, that's, you guys that's the Joseph. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Right? The yeah, vanilla I, has a good flavor. It's like melted ice cream with some chalk mixed in. Yeah. 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 All right. Now taste the steak because now we're going to food as pleasure. <laughs> right. Right? And this is why I'm 
going back and forward be- between, yes, we need something like this if our population keeps growing and resources keep shrinking and, right, we're n- we still need to feed everyone. But when you eat this steak, right, mm-hmm. there is something else that happens in your head. Even though I like the vanilla, mm-hmm. that's not what happens in my body, in my mind, in my soul when I eat this perfectly cooked steak with just a teeny bit of sea salt on it and it's just got the juice dripping out of it, right? And I poured that over <laughs> okay, the top. Okay, now you're getting really food smooth. <laughs> right? Yeah. But tell me that doesn't taste good. Oh, it's really good. So uh-huh. may- right. maybe we need to switch to like 80% of the time Soylent route and then save the steak and food as pleasure yeah. for the for the other 20%. Yeah, one, one day a week, Chris will come in and bring you lunch. <laughs> All right. Here's uh, Tracy in West Harvard. I think she has a question. Hi, Tracy. Hello. Um, so someone just mentioned that if, if it came down to it and they were really hungry, they would have the chocolate one. Does this actually satisfy hunger? Well, actually, I mean, based on everything that we – well, actually, yeah. you, you answer it. Go ahead. You're, yeah, no, 100 percent. There's 400 calories in, in uh, one of these drinks. If you drank one, you would be totally satiated, right? There's no – if you had two, you'd be full. Right. Like you ate a full meal. Our producer, yeah. Jonathan McSoyland, has actually had more of this than we have. Mm-hmm. And he says, yes, it definitely satisfies uh, hunger. In the articles that I've read where people you know, drink 400 calories of it, they feel really full pretty yep. fast. Yep. So, yes, wow. I, I think it will satisfy your hunger. It might not satisfy other things about you. <laughs> um, it might leave them dramatically unsatisfied. Uh, but the hunger part, I think you'll be fine. Um, all right, so we're getting near. Do you have something else? You I want have to one say? more thing. Yeah, okay, like yes. because food, keeping going with food is pleasure. We we eat not just for sustenance, right? There's the social aspect. There's this pleasure thing that I think. I don't know. Maybe I just feel it more because this is what I do for a living. But it's part of us, right? I mean, we don't just have sex to have children. Right. Mm-hmm. There are other things, right, that that brings us pleasure. There are other things in our lives that bring us pleasure that are not just now with an opposing viewpoint. Vice President <laughs> Mike Pence. Um, all right. We have to stop here anyway. So it's time to stop. But uh, first of all, thanks to Chris Prosperi, who's always the best possible sport about all these things. And you've enjoyed him in the past. And the food schmooze, that's probably over now after today. But it's been a, he's had a great run. Um, Carmen Baskoff, the amazing water bug on crack, uh, is also here with us in studio. Thanks also to Jonathan McSoyland for booking all those other great guests. We'll be back tomorrow.